Welcome to Connected World, a podcast created for engineers to learn about the latest technology trends, creating a safer, sustainable, productive, and connected future. Hello and welcome to Connected World, a podcast from the experts at TE Connectivity. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Now, coming up on this episode, I'll be joined by Richard Barfeldt, and we're going to discuss the importance of 5G for the future of smart cities, specifically focusing in on outdoor smart surveillance. So, Richard, thanks so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tyler, and it's great to be here. Well, I am thrilled to have you on the podcast. And Ricard, you have such a long and lengthy title and do so many different things uh, that I couldn't actually remember the entire thing. And so give us your full title and tell us a little bit more about your role at TE Connectivity. Yeah, so uh, I am started at TE as a field application engineer and became a manager for the EMEA region, uh, which is Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Additionally to that, in the last year, we also added on India as part of this region. So I'm leading a field application engineering team. Uh, lately, I've also been assigned to, to lead the global IoT initiative. So uh, as a global IoT champion and for global sales. Uh, so the title is long, uh, but that was a kind of short explanation on, on what I try to do and achieve here at TE. Right. Excellent, excellent. So you're just the person we want to talk to when it comes to 5G and then also how that's enabling outdoor smart surveillance. And we're going to discuss all of that here on the episode today. But first and foremost, I want to focus in uh, just to get us started uh, in a little bit more of a broad sense, Ricard. So how does the increasing availability of 5G impact our ability to really build and develop smart cities? And it's a good question. I think we can start by comparing what 4G and 5G is and where the main differences are. Uh, generally, 4G was an extension of 3G to enhance the kind of mobile uh, data transmission uh, and uh, improve the kind of way we use our handsets and, and computers and so on. While 5G is really enabling Internet of Things. And Internet of Things is, of course, Internet of Everything. So it could be a massive amount of nodes and devices being connected to the Internet. Um, so one big portion of 5G, it's a kind of three-legged approach, is to enhance the amount of connected nodes being connected to the Internet. And, with 4G, that has been very limited, and I think with 5G capabilities now, the amount of up to even billions of devices uh, and uh, could be connected to the same through the same ecosystem. Uh, the second part, of course, is to continuously enhance the mobile broadband uh, to increase the speeds and so on. But it is not as important for IoT because most of the data transmission done for IoT devices are done in a very kind of low data, um, and um, compared to maybe big video transmission that we could see in certain parts of the smart city. So the enhanced mobile broadband is an important, but maybe not as important as the massive uh, machine type communication, as you see between all these billions of devices. Uh, the third part and the third leg of 5G uh, versus 4G is really the ultra-reliable machine type communication. And that means that you're trying to reduce the latency, so the delay in communication. And with 4G, uh, approximately around 100, 150 millisecond uh, was the latency for 4G, and that that's fine if you just use your your phone to have a, a video call or a, a, just a phone call because you will not notice that delay. While if you're remotely trying to steer a vehicle or a factory or a excavator or even do a remote surgery, you will need to have almost zero latency. So the aim of 5G is to reduce this down to one millisecond uh, to be able then to to use these kind of uh, communication types from remote steering and a remote surgery or self-driving vehicles that will have to real time adapt to what they see and feel. 
and I think that part will also be critical for smart cities as we've got to monitor in real life and be able to act on things that is happening and sensing that and not maybe by humans but by AI and, and data analytics so these three legs is critical um, of course enhancing the mobile broadband with speeds mainly for maybe video transmission and so on that demands very heavy broadband traffic but critically important is the machine type the massive machine type uh, communication with huge amount of billions of nodes being connected to the internet at the same time through the same ecosystem. And then the third part of this ultra-reliable machine time communication, reducing the latency. So you could remotely steer and in real life do a retime to act on the information that you get. So critical for smart cities, I would say. And maybe to add, I would say that we, it's important for for uh, the cities to not just look at the end devices like the street lights or like the surveillance cameras, but also look at the ecosystem enabling this. And by 5G, we talk not just about the base station, the telecom tower, we talk about the cloud with the data centers where all of the information is, is being computed and, and calculated and analyzed and uh, processed. And then into the new base station that's demanded from the big wireless providers into the operators and their towers and on top of buildings and then further into uh, the home or the uh, smart buildings where uh, the, both the, the VLAN and the Wi-Fi and, and VNON is, is used to be able to communicate with all these devices. So the ecosystem behind uh, 5G is critically important to be able to, to meet the requirement of the consumers uh, on the device side. Um, so I think it's important to take this in consideration when you're planning for supporting a smart city that you also already now plan for how you're going to build out uh, the infrastructure of 5D, not just looking at the end devices. So, critically important. So you mentioned a lot of uh, potential uh, innovations and, and ways that things can go and, and applications that would rely upon 5G technology and that 5G really opens up a world of of these new applications and that sort of thing. When you think about it, what are some of the primary applications that come to mind that are enabled by 5G that you think that we could see here in the near future? Uh, yes, as Internet of Things is really the Internet of everything, right? So everything could be connected. Um, and then it, we need to discuss if it needs to be connected and it makes sense to do it. Uh, some parts that we see in the smart cities is, of course, the environmental monitoring of, of pollutions and and other detection parts like uh, gas leakage or water leakage or smoke detectors, uh, but also the street lightning or city lightning. Um, those aspects will need to be connected to also uh, make sure that we they are lit when they should, but we also can control them from uh, any consumption perspective. Other parts could be parking lot, uh, bike fleet management. We all have maybe tried out to do these kick bikes uh, that is connected and there are places to roll around in the city. And uh, waste bins being connected to also understand how we can utilize the, the waste and, and maybe get rid of the waste from the cities. Um, and of course, the building automations and, and um, even these pay-as-you-drive kind of vehicles and transportation units. And it could also be things like vending machines to get your food or retail stores that are connected that maybe doesn't need to have a, a, you go into the store, but you will get shipment from the store into your home and so on. Uh, so it's it's really multiple of different applications. These were some of them that I that we think about. Mm. 
So we we talked about how we were going to discuss um, outdoor smart surveillance at um, at the beginning of the of the podcast, and I want to dive into a little bit more of that now because that is a big application uh, that can be enabled by five G. So what is smart surveillance, and uh, how can it become an integrated part of smart cities? What does that look like? Uh, good question, Tyler. And I think if you would consider your your home alarm system as as being a a surveillance system, right? You have video monitoring, you have motion sensing, maybe even audio input, uh, vibration sensors on your door or windows, or even have the smoke detectors to, to uh, notice if there's a smoke or a fire starting. If those are monitored or yes, connected to um, or beeping or letting you know that it's somewhere there, you need to have a person monitoring that. That's not really the smart part of this. So the smart surveillance is really where we see these devices and the data input is gathered and in real time and analyzed and so that they can proactively perform kind of a forensic analysis to prevent potential threats or uh, before they actually materialize into security incidents. So it's really that AI part and doing the data analysis um, real time and getting that back so we can prevent accidents from happening rather than just knowing that they happen. It's taking a, a proactive approach to security as opposed to uh, what we, what I guess we typically think of as uh, for security now is is reactive, right? Right, right. You will notice if something happens, right? And this is this data gathering, as you know, it's all about data. Uh, and to be able to to have multiple nodes that create the data, it could be the video part, it could be the motion sensing or thermal sensing, uh, and as well as uh, other parts of understanding if there is a potential threat. But to be enabled to analyze this without having human interference in a human monitoring, I think is really when it becomes this smart surveillance. And, and that could also then prevent us in real time to, to have these accidents. So, Rickard, I think that when we talk about 5G and when we talk about uh, outdoor smart surveillance, I, I think that when people hear the word surveillance, there can be a negative connotation. So I want to get a little bit more into what this does for people's lives and how it improves the lives for many people and, and all the good that it does. So can you share a little bit more about what outdoor smart surveillance enables and, and how it does make people's lives you know, drastically better? Right. Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I think that the positive effects are larger than the negative effects on this. So some uh, examples I could give on the improvements of uh, quality of life for the citizens could be when you're uh, in a very dense city, there's usually a hard find to find a parking spot. So when you go shopping or make your errands. So by having a connected city and a smart city, you will be able to know already when sitting in the car where potential free slots of parking would be that will course make your time in the car uh, less and you can spend your time doing other parts of your errands or, or shopping. So I think that's one positive effect of kind of parking sensing and, and be able to route uh, vehicles and, and traffic in a way that will ease the uh, or reduce the time spent in, in, in the cars. Uh, another kind of example of course that we discussed a little bit is on the emergency response system where for example there is an accident, there is a fire somewhere and to be able then to in real life both dedicate allocate the, the necessary resources as well as then be able to uh, direct them the fastest way to the accident by maybe also rerouting other traffic so they can get quicker there. I think that's a very, very important thing that will save a lot of lives. Um, 
So using this real-time surveillance uh, with the data gathered and then directly responding to that uh, with the best kind of routes and, and uh, uh, traffic as well as how many resources. Also to be able to, when there's a false alarm, to make sure that that is quickly communicated back to the response team uh, and so forth. Um, and I think 5G uh, compared to 4G will really help uh, both with the ability of connecting all these nodes with and transmitting and receiving that data, but also the quality of data. Uh, so not just the amount of different nodes, but also the quality of the data being sent. Uh, as we're talking about surveillance and security, it's important that uh, there is a high quality uh, on the data. Uh, you see better video transmission, uh, better quality of the video or the audio. Uh, so very important aspects that 5G will enable. I think already today, we usually in, in, in 4G, where you are connected maybe your laptops or your mobile phones or your handsets, already last year in 2020, we did see uh, for the first time the IoT devices surpassing the, the handsets. Uh, so last year, I think there was approximately 20 plus billion devices connected and 54% and of them were IoT devices. So this transition has already happened, but within the next four or five years, we do expect up to 75 billion devices being connected. And, Without 5G, this will not be possible. Uh, so I think it's a very critical aspect that we not just look at the devices, and the, but also look at what the governments or city owners or other parts of doing it for the ecosystem, to not just place maybe surveillance cameras as well, but also do the ecosystem of, of remote radio units, small cells, the backend engineering with the cloud, and, and make sure that you have the, the system set up to be able to to have all this data transmitting. So it's not just about the end devices and other devices, also about the whole ecosystem of telecom and, and datacom. Um, so from the data center through the telecom equipment into the device and, and already planning for this as this deployment usually takes time. So I will give that uh, kind of encouragement to start looking into planning for this so you can be ready for those 75 billion devices by 2025. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like for these devices to be deployed uh, around a city? Can, can you kind of tell me what that might look like? Because some people might have one image in their head, but, but what you're describing might be something else. So kind of uh, give me a picture of what this looks like. So I think, yeah, it depends on, if, of course, if you look at a metropolitan large mega city, there's different part of the city that could be surveilled, right? And uh, you can have the streets themselves being surveilled from the vehicles or the people walking on the street. Uh, and to, of course, prevent traffic accidents, to prevent crimes happening, uh, to yeah, see speeding, license plate reading. Uh, but it could also be other parts of, for example, more a hidden place. It could be a garage or a parking lot, uh, and or even in a basement of a place where you have maybe a gas leakage. Uh, so I think the surveillance of the city is, of course, divided into the more open areas and parks and streets and so on, while it can also be uh, surveilling the, the kind of hidden areas uh, like basements, um, subways, uh, parking lots and so on, where maybe you don't have a lot of people walking around. So I think you should split those kind of part of the city up uh, in that sense. That's really interesting. So what, what, what challenges does this pose for engineers when it comes to coordinating different devices, be it in a hardware sense, a software sense? Kind of talk me through the challenges that are presented there and the way that you are coming up with solutions for these challenges. All right. So 
there, I would consider this being a, a kind of wireless path and then uh, also more kind of a hardware path. And the wireless part is, of course, mainly through antennas. Uh, to be able to commute, communicate with these different device IoT devices uh, remotely uh, without having then cables connected to the device. So with our antenna competence and our broad portfolio of antennas, um, everything from cellular antenna to Wi-Fi antennas to uh, to kind of Bluetooth and GNSS antennas, we do provide a big portfolio of antennas to be able to connect to these devices remotely and wirelessly. Uh, there is, of course, also a need due to safety and so on to not be able to hack into every device that they could have a wired connection. And there we have a very big focus on harsh environments of, of the cable assemblies and the connectors. So, for example, as they most likely then are outdoor in a city, uh, they need to have a harsh environment and IP protection. So TE do bring a lot of uh, both components as well as the cable assembly competence uh, and bringing those products into the engineers and to the, the companies making the devices. Uh, inside the device, outside of the antenna itself, it's also a lot of components where it needs a, a very big density, so a lot of functionality in a very small space. Uh, so here we have a big uh, portfolio also to provide everything from, you know, the IO connector of a USB as well as the FPC connectors, the different sensorings that is, is part of the device, as well as board-to-board -board and, 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 and kind of internal wiring. Uh, into these devices. We have a big portfolio, for example, on wire to board where you connect the different PCBs as part of the device with this power and signal. Um, so I would consider that we, we can really support on the full ecosystem as well as inside and outside of the devices. And hopefully this could partner up with these design houses and, and OEMs and customers that we try to survey with the IoT initiative. You know, you raised a good point there, and it, it was something that I, I hadn't really considered, but with it being outdoor smart surveillance, uh, you, you mentioned the harsh harsh conditions and that sort of thing. What what kind of uh, considerations go into that? Uh, the, the fact that these are outdoor devices, right? Uh, but they're still sophisticated when it comes to the technology inside, but you have to build them understanding that they're going to have to withstand extreme cold or extreme heat or moisture, all of those sorts of things. Uh, that has to play into your thinking, right? It has to, and I think it's um, important that we, as T, is taking the responsibility as well as testing the full device together with the customers and, of course, with our components going into them. Uh, as we see environmental protection or harsh environment, it could be everything as you described, or temperature as well as humidity, moisture, um, but also things like um, where you have salt spray from the cities of where pollution and other factors that dust, sand, and other things that could penetrate the device and, and hurt it. Um, but uh, so what we do is usually develop these things together and partner up with the customers or uh, ODMs and, and design houses to both be able to test the whole device and get it clarified for maybe a water test or a, a harsh other harsh environment test. So the device itself together with our components is totally sealed or, or totally protected from any kind of harsh exposure. So uh, are there any examples that you can share of deployments of, uh, of smart outdoor surveillance and what that looks like in, in real life, in practice, in cities around the world? Do you have any examples that you can share, even if there are specifics that you're not allowed to, uh, to maybe divulge on the podcast? But uh, are, are there things that you can share just about what it looks like in the, in the real world once this is deployed? All right. I think it's one aspect in maybe current state is that you see a a street light, that's just being a street light. And it's a pole that has a light and it's 
it usually lits up at a certain time uh, that's been uh, kind of coded well in the future state we do see a, a lot of combination of functionalities in this one kind of pole uh, it could be a pole but it could also be as part of a, a building uh, structure but if you take the pole as, as a, a good multifunctional um, prospect uh, you can use that pole for both of course having a street light traffic lights and other functions uh, you can use it for having a monitor sensor that monitors the, the heat or the pollution or other parts of the environment uh, you could then also uh, put on the surveillance camera or the security camera that you have there as well as combine that with the 5g base station or the small cells that so in the same pole you have this monkey functionality of different devices uh, and when deploying that pole it usually has taken up the same space on the street or in the city as a traditional street light. Uh, addition to this, you can also use functionality as charging your electrical car or other portions that, that you want to have in the same pool. So I think taking up the space in the city with combination of functionalities is, is going to be preferred from a deployment perspective as well as then from real estate, right? Um, and I think it goes the same if you don't look at a pole into a building or a building a facade uh, or a top of a building that the real estate um, expenses could be reduced and by combining a lot of functionality into the same same space or same pole or or building so ricard we'll we'll wrap up with this question but uh, but when you look and think ahead to the future and think about what 5g enables and uh, all the smart city uh, technology we've talked about today what does the future look like for uh, for outdoor smart surveillance and, and kind of paint a picture of what you think the world looks like in five to ten years when this technology is you know is is more widely adopted and um, and kind of placed throughout the world. Uh, tell me what you think that looks like and, and how our lives may, might look a little different. Uh, very good question to <laughs> uh, forecast the future, but uh, I do see there's some potential challenges and, and maybe negative aspects as well as very many positive aspects. And of course, we can all look at sci-fi movies and make our own mind of how the future could look like uh, with all of this. but. One aspect, of course, is we've seen it already in the pandemic when it's crisis and, and things like this. We we do need support of both, of course, serving the habitats of a city uh, with healthcare and other parts, maybe re remotely because of not spreading the virus, for example. Uh, so, of course, making sure that you could have things in the city that you remotely could steer, uh, of course, having um, even deliveries of food or other medicines to your home without having to go out the door. I think it's an important aspect to serve that to the habitant. Uh, so we know about drones sending shipments of medicine out to your doorstep or, or having all these uh, companies now that delivers food as well as other portion down to, to your doorstep. I think it's one effect that we already are all experiencing as we speak. This could, of course, in the long run, have a, a health effect that we are moving less, uh, which could, of course, have a negative impact on the human health, as well as on social aspects, right? We, we might not meet in real life, but we might meet more digitally, which is hard to predict how, how that will be. But there could be some challenges with that. Um, at the same time, we have to look into the challenge of integrity, right? And we talk about big brother, brother seeing you with all the surveillance everywhere, uh, you will be exposed and will be monitored all the time. And discussion this uh, challenges, I think, is important. Uh, and but there are also it's a lot of positive sides on this to prevent crime, for example, have very uh, good uh, emergency response system uh, to to aid people in accidents and other things, um, prevent traffic accidents uh, and so on. I think this could save a huge amount of life um, with this capability of smart cities in the future. 
and has already shown effect, I would say, uh, so far with the applications that we've seen. Additionally, I think one of the major challenges that we all have globally is, is the environmental and the climate effect. And by able to monitor and steer energy consumption, water consumption, pollution and so on by this monitoring unit, uh, I think we, we have one hopeful way here to fight this global climate effect mm. uh, and make the cities a more greener place to live. And I, I think that aspect it will be one of the biggest impact, hopefully, with the enablement of smart cities and IoT. So that's kind of a little bit of a foresight I see. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's an amazing picture that you uh, that you paint there, uh, Ricard, and I, I appreciate you uh, you sharing your insights and your um, your expertise with us here on the podcast today. Ricard Berfeldt, uh joining us from TE Connectivity. He is the IoT sales champion and uh, a lot of other things, if you remember his title, was quite, quite extensive. But Ricard, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast today and uh, sharing a little bit more about uh, outdoor smart surveillance and uh, the world that this opens up. Uh, we appreciate getting your insights and expertise. Thank you and stay safe, Tyler and all. Ciao. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Ricard, thank you again so much for joining us here on the podcast. And everyone, thank you for listening to this episode of Connected World, a podcast from the experts at TE Connectivity. We appreciate it very much. Of course, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, then make sure you subscribe to stay up to date and you get insights like this regularly from the experts at TE because we're constantly coming out with new episodes, recording, and uh, giving you thought leadership across uh, a wide number of topics across the connected world. So you're going to want to stay up to date with the latest on the podcast. And the best way to do that is by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, hitting subscribe. That way you get the latest episodes right there on your device. And of course, we'll be coming soon with those new episodes. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.